For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. I'm your host, Nick, and with me today, our guest is the author of the wildly popular urban fantasy series, The Preternatural Chronicles. Book nine is now available, so please welcome with me today, Hunter Blaine, without the E, without the E. Right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem. Our, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of hinting to you before we started about you know, we had a conversation on Facebook and when I was with just uh, Luke Daniels was going to come on the show, he came on uh, and he wasn't able to make it, but I was promoting him coming on and I had a series of pictures that were cycling through and I listed some of the books that were on there and I get this response oh, right. saying, <laughs> and I get this response saying, yeah, I hear, I hear he does this book series called the Preternatural Chronicles too. I hear it's really awesome and it's a really good book. And of course, it took me a half a second because I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, that was on my list because I had a, like he's, Justin's, or Luke's done so many books that it's hard to like, how do I fit all of them in there? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to throw these in there real quick. It's my first post on this interview. And then, of course, all the subsequent ones after that, I made sure to put a <laughs> Preternatural Chronicles book in there. <laughs> it's something I like doing whenever people, uh, you know, tag me in like the um, uh, Urban Fantasy fa uh, Facebook group with like 30,000 members or something. Yeah. Someone will post about me, um, you know, check out this book, which is awesome. I love seeing that. And then, um, you know, I'll, I'll just randomly type in there, you know, from a completely non-biased point of view, I, I like it, you know, just <laughs> or... Um, Someone will say like, uh, oh, yeah, I really like that book. And I said, uh, and I hear the the uh, author is so extraordinarily humble as well. <laughs> and not everyone catches that it's me who's the author. <laughs> but it, when they it took me a like, sec, it took me a second. I saw it and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to make sure. To Wait a second. <laughs> I love doing that. It's it's a lot of fun. And those that are listening, they're going to hear. I've, I've done it twice now already. And we're only a few seconds in. I went to say Luke and I said, Justin, there's a reason for that. And I will get to that later mm -hmm. down the road uh just because there's there's this there's this weird three-person synergy that you guys got going on but well they're both like seven feet tall so that's one right, thing right uh but before all of that before you you know did the preternatural chronicles have you always been a writer did you start off were you in like high school going i'm gonna write no uh i grew up reading like uh you know goosebumps as a at an early age couldn't stop reading those and then um in high school, it was the uh, Xanth series by Pierce Anthony and the Incarnations of Immortality, which is still one of my favorite series to date. Um, so, you, and then, you know, Anne Rice, uh, my favorite vampire series, but uh, besides my own. 
Um, so just doing a lot of reading and then, you know, I took creative writing in, in high school Yeah. and I remember knocking it out of the park there and I didn't think anything of it. It's just, you know, I had read so much at that point that I, I got it, you know? Yeah. Um, so like I, I dabbled in writing and I would write short stories here and there whenever I felt like it. And then um, uh, my best friend, uh, John Cook, um, uh, he, you know, I'd let him read them. Like I'd write one about a serial killer or something or, you know, uh, things like that. And uh, he, he was like, uh, dude, these are actually really good. You need to do something. And, he, you know, he's my best friend and he's the kind of best friend that would tell you like, no, nah, man, these suck. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. Don't even put these down. But, uh, you know, he actually liked him, which was uh, uh, something that was really something. So then he um, he actually asked me uh, to write a book about him. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, what do you want to be? And he's like, I want to be a vampire. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. And, uh, you know, he actually made me promise. And then several years after that, in 2014, uh, he actually uh, passed away in a, in a car accident, um, which that sucked like a lot, yeah, as, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. You know, someone you grew up with that you called brother. But um, um, then one day, uh, I think it was like 2017, 20, 2018, I believe it was. I was just sitting. I had a nutrition store and I was just sitting at my store one day and I just popped open my laptop. And without any rhyme or reason, I just opened Word and started. I just started typing. Uh, it took me a year to finish the first book and I never thought anyone would read it. But I was like, you know, I, I made a promise. It's been a couple of years. Um, and then I, I wrote it the way I would want to read it, too. So yeah. I, I wrote a book. I didn't think about anyone else except for, you know, what I would like. Uh, and then honoring John, of course. And then I gave it to um, uh, I told my best friends about it, too. Like uh, we, we had a group of friends like Dustin Valenta and, and John Depwag. And um, uh, whenever I told them that I was writing the books, they were like, hey, can I be in it? I was like hell yeah, what do you want to be? So Depwig was like, I want to be a werewolf. And then Dustin told me what he wanted to be, but it's a little bit of a spoiler, so I won't uh, go into that. But, uh, you know, the series is full of a lot of our friends that knew the real John, like a yeah. lot of them. Um, Richard the Treant is one. You know, there's, there's just, I don't know, there's countless, really. And um, so after I wrote it, I gave it to them. And uh, my friend Dustin is, is like John where he'll tell you. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, man, I, I was actually going to tell you it was good no matter what. Uh, but dude, this is actually really good. You need to do something with it. So yeah. then I went down the rabbit hole and figured out all about uh, self-publishing uh, with Amazon and put it out there. And, and that's it. The rest, the rest is history. Really. It just, I didn't, uh, I didn't think this is what I would be doing. I thought I was just going to write it for me and do 13 books in a series just because I wanted that story told. Yeah. But now a lot of people really like it. So that's really freaking awesome. I'm very, very fortunate and lucky to get to do what I, uh, I, what, what I do. When you released it for the first time, was it just like a, like an e-reader digital thing or was it like a physical copy through Amazon? How did you do that? I did. I did all of it. Okay. Um, so I did the ebook and the, uh, uh, the print and actually the, the print version, um, the original book. Let's see if I got one. I know I do actually. There it is. Let me just move that Michael Myers mask. Here's the original cover. And for those, <laughs> and for those that are are listening, it it it's kind of like a Batman animated. Yep. 
sort it's of exactly. lightning bolt in the background, and it's kind of got that artistic style to it as well. So much so that I was actually warned that even though I commissioned this and I had someone draw this, I did have them do it based on the uh, animated Batman, um, you know, scene. And then um, I gave it. I wanted. I wanted it to be an audiobook because I love audiobooks. And uh, so I gave this to R.C. Bray, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know." I told him the whole sob story, wrote a, wrote a book about my dead best friend and um, I love your books and he loved your books too, you know, Skippy the Magnificent uh, with the Expeditionary Force. If you haven't read that excellent sci-fi series. Okay. And uh, he was like, uh, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. And then he started reading it and he started giving me some tips and advice. And he told me like, I needed to change the cover. It's too cartoony. Um, and then he also told me to change some other stuff up. And then, uh, so we changed it to this okay. based on his recommendation. And this is actually John's face. Um, I was going to ask that if, yeah. if, if some of the covers were based on Let me see actually it. him. Nice. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So, but um, I'm not a big picture person and neither was John. So unfortunately these pictures are, you know, early 2000s, 2000, you know, up to 2014. Right. Right. So what was the iPhone back then? iPhone four or something. Um, so it doesn't translate well into, uh, crystal clear covers. Right. So then, um, eventually I got signed with, uh, Argento, which is Shane Silver's company. And then uh, they recommended we do a whole revamp on the covers, uh, because I mean, I paid someone like 80 bucks on Fiverr to do those. And I think they actually did really good, yeah. for, you know, especially for 80 bucks. Yeah. But then, um, you know, they paid someone a lot of money to make it, you know, pop and and they did a good job um but yeah so anyone at home if, if you ordered one of these these are now really rare but these are the rarest though yeah actually uh i, I had 10 of these left so nine because I, I wanted one yeah and i sold these for like 125 each uh with only like maybe 15 in the entire world and so people bought them up in like two days which is crazy but one day they'll be worth hundreds and hundreds of pennies <laughs> well i mean if you sold them for hundreds of pennies then they're already <laughs> worth that and i gotta you know being a person who's gone through the books uh and i'm not through all of them i'm gonna admit that because there's there's nine of them uh mm. but that cover really that that very first cover that actually does still kind of fit really because he's like just the, the character and the persona of him Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, you know, that's kind of funny. I could, I could see him being like, yeah, let's make it, let's make it a spoof on Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's over like 200 grammatical errors in this too. Oh, wow. Because uh, uh, Amazon will let you publish whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it makes it even better. <laughs> did you do um, before? Before was that like your very first published anything, or did you do yep. some short stories and stuff? that nope that that was like the first thing i ever wrote in earnest and um it's one of those things that i guess i was meant to do it um because i i i'm i'm goodest with words and stuff so did i, I didn't really having an editor right away at the beginning there or did it no like oh man editor? i got a i got a story for that one so All for right. editor story time <laughs> oh my goodness so i use fiverr for everything because i you know um didn't have any money mm -hmm. and you know, editors are expensive. Now I will say for all of you budding authors out there, you save and you pay for a good editor, Jesus. So don't, don't make the mistake I did, which is um, I went through one editor 
and then another and then another. So I'm paying little bits, but over and over and over. And I'm still like finding all these errors and stuff. So at one point I was like, screw this. I wrote uh, Deliverance, which is the novella that's uh, about 12,000 words. It's book 0.5, takes place just before uh, book one. And for those of you interested, if you go to hunterblaine.com, you can sign up for my newsletter, uh, like halfway down the main page, and you can get the the, uh, ebook for free. Just download it right then and there for free. See if you like the series. But anyway, so I wrote that and I went to Fiverr again and I reached out to five different editors and I said, congratulations, you're a part of the editor games. I'm giving this book to five of you and whoever wins will get to do the rest of the series. So I let them know, like, you have competition. And the first person... You know, John ironically calls his fortress the uh, Fortress of Solitaire. Mm-hmm. And then she, uh, she, one corrected it to the Fortress of Solitude, just like Superman. So I was like, well, yep. you're out. Yeah. You know, then uh, another person's edits made absolutely no sense at all. I don't know what format she was using. But then I found uh, Fabiola and uh, in Deliverance, um, John gets his beanie, um, his gray beanie. And uh, which remind me to tell you the story about that in a sec. Okay. But um, um, then he asked uh, his companion, Daw, you know, what, how do I look? Cause he's wearing a black trench coat mm-hmm. from world war two. That's been patched up and he has his gray beanie and he's got long black hair. And then his beard, that's basically like mine right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's in the books, it's long. And um, uh, Daw says, uh, you look like a roadie from one of those Swedish or uh, yeah, Swedish metal bands that you like or from <laughs> Norway. And at first I put a, uh, a really famous um, black metal band that John and I like called uh, Demu, uh, Demu Borgir, which is Swedish for Dark Castle um, and a really awesome band. But the book takes place in 1990 and Fabiola, who lives in Mexico, but has, um, you know, her bachelor's in uh, English and all this other stuff, says to me, the metalhead, by the way, Demu Borgir didn't form until 92. So the continuity there. And I was like, oh, shit, um, you win. So yeah. then I changed it to Opeth, which formed in 90. And uh, I did not expect someone like her, or someone who's not a metalhead, really, um, to catch that fine level of detail. Yeah. And every single book, every single book, Fabiola helps me catch some obvious continuity thing that makes me just want to, you know, should have had a V8, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, as a writer, you see things from 20,000 feet up, right? So you miss a lot of the finer details, um, except whenever I hear it in audio from Luke, then it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. But by then it's too late. I can't change because I've already paid Luke. It's already, it's done. Yeah. Um, or Argento has. But anyway, so Fabiola won the editor games and she has helped catch uh, every book. She catches something. And she also helped me, you know, um, She'll like in Holy Shioli when John uh, fig- figures out something that gets him out of a situation, she goes, Hey, if he could do that, why did he do this in this book? And I'm like, damn. So then I have to figure out a logical reason as to why he didn't. And then like a whole new set of rules comes up and she definitely helps make my books better. But um, for those of you who are budding writers, pay that damn editor. Get okay? an editor. That's you like know, an for- ongoing theme. That's it's, And it's always a question I have to bring up because a lot of people that are, you know, upcoming authors, writers, they don't, they don't, and they don't know. And they don't know until they know. (laughs) Everybody who's, especially the self-published, 
such as yourself, get an editor, <laughs> get one. I wish it was the first thing I did. So uh, yeah, you're lo- you're looking at you know twelve, fifteen, sixteen hundred bucks for an editor to go through a hundred thousand page, uh, hundred thousand word, hundred thousand word book, uh, and it's worth every penny. Trust me. But uh, to go back to the gray beanie, uh, this is actually a, one uh, text that John sent me. Of uh, that used to be my gray beanie. Okay. And he, that's him sending me a text saying, uh, "Yeah, your beanie has found a new home. Don't call the police." Um, and that kind of thing. So then he wore it for like years afterwards. So that's actually why John has the gray beanie in okay. my series and the logo, you know, the bearded beanie, that, that picture of him, like he's kind of smirking, like, ha ha ha, it's mine. Yeah. So it's this Shane actually created, or he had his artist create, uh, my logo based off of John's picture. So that's actually, okay. you know, that's people cool. say like, people say like, man, you rock your own merch all the time. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm wearing my dead best friend's face yeah no, <laughs> that, kinda, that makes sense. that's awesome work, works on multiple levels awesome that is great what other characters uh obviously you mentioned Dapwag. uh what other what other characters are based on real per- people in the book oh man i know i'm gonna miss someone oh, let's right. see we have valenta the saloon yep. uh guy Depwag. Uh, Daw wasn't based on anyone. Neither was Ulrich. Um, oh, okay. Richard, Richard the Treant is uh, our old boss at GameStop when we worked there many, many, many moons ago. Uh, and I, I got him down to a T. Um, let's see who else was there. There's um, no Colin didn't meet him. Colin Baker is one of my good friends, but he didn't know John. Same thing with Joey and Dawson, the twins. Yeah, they're real. They're okay. real people, and even the mannerisms are real. Where one's more of extroverted and one's more introverted, and um, you know, it's it's crazy how different they are, uh, but they're identical twins. So they they were fantastic characters. Yeah, uh, Haley's real. Um, man, there's just so many characters. I know I'm going to be missing some too, and I'm going to think about it later when the pressure's not on. What about the priest? Like, Is he based uh, on? No. no, no, no. The priest was. Um, I needed a uh, guiding light to help John. So for those of you who don't know, the series is basically the um, uh, Deadpool as a vampire is the, is the quick one. That's what most reviewers (laughs) Deadpool as a vampire. I love it. Mm -hmm. So it's humorous and, and, and uh, funny um, and other synonyms for those words. Um, But the, um, the elevator pitch is uh, a vampire who took the gift in order to avenge his family uh, later on realizes that he doesn't want to be, Dad. he doesn't want to kill innocent people he wants to use his abilities for good he just doesn't know how to go about doing it so eventually he comes to a priest and then they have in deliverance book 0.5 you see how they first come together and they decide to actually work together because the priest sees that uh, uh having a preternatural vampire uh with all his abilities would really benefit the light right. so at the same time john is cleansing his blackened soul while helping rid the world of evil and then you know the apocalypse is on the way too yeah yeah (laughs) well and then there's the whole like he's got his mental headspace there's just so many little fabrics of what he's capable of and how different um the like you get your standard vampire drinks blood but there are so many different things you've done with the concept that it's not exactly the same it's not exactly identical to what everyone else is doing so it makes it different and then you yep. add that humor in there so that change. is one thing oh yeah uh, whenever i first sat down i knew immediately my first thought was 
it needed to be different because you know we grew up, grew up reading Anne Rice uh, vampires and uh, her series is great. Um, some things I I don't you know I cater to um, like this uh, being uh, sexually inept basically. And I'm like, well, that's boring, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I made it my own. So the first thing I thought was, okay, so why does he need blood? He needs blood for energy to survive. So, and then I go into the scientific reasoning on that too. I had to figure that all out. And then I was like, okay, so if he sucks in blood for energy, what can he do with that? So then I came up with the blood manifestation. So like, you know, he can will blood from his palm and coagulate into a dagger uh, and then stab so the bad guy in their liver and exsanguinate him that way because most of your blood is actually in your liver yeah. at any given time. So, you know, you sucked out the blood that way because I was tired of the hiss, hiss, bite, bite kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. So um, I like the, uh, and then, you know, having the weapons like T1000 basically, that opened up a whole new world of possibilities that were, were new and exciting. And a lot of um, op- like creative options for mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a lot growth. of fun with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then it also plays too, like, you know, in book three, when that thing happens and, you know, he kind of levels up, uh, if you will. Yeah. It, it also helps. It, it's a, it's a foundation that, that does build. So I do like that. And I think readers like that too, for, for the same reason we like video games and, right. and, uh, and uh, TV shows, you know, where the hero starts with nothing and then they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And when we have a sense of satisfaction with that. Oh, and a lot of urban fantasies do that, but there are also a mm-hmm. lot that, don't where they do kind of stay stagnant and those you know i see all of the time that's like yeah that's not really my cup of tea they want to see both personal character mm-hmm. growth and their actual like abilities to grow they don't want to and it starts off looking like okay he's a vampire he's super powerful mm-hmm. and the most badass in the world and then it's like no there is so much further he can go and that's oh, just yeah. really nice to see and refreshing to see that you know to be able to start off and be powerful and then be like well he could be more powerful, like mm-hmm. compared to a normal person. Uh, so um, I've been watching a lot of Brandon Sanderson um, lectures because he's also a professor. Yeah. Uh, and his lectures are up on YouTube for free. Um, and that guy's a genius, of course. You know, um, you don't land the largest funded Kickstarter in history without being a genius, I right. suppose. But um, what you were just talking about is called um, Promise progress and uh payoff so um this that's actually the reason we hate the new star wars trilogy in mass is because um um the promise is in the beginning so if you take brandon sanderson talks about this in the opening scene of a new hope the promise is is you have a little ship little rebel ship and a giant empire ship and they are completely outmatched by the empire. So that that's the whole premise. Uh, the promise right there is you have the rebels fighting the empire and then, um, you know, there's progress for that. And then the payoff when the death star explodes. So the reason we hate the new trilogy is JJ Abrams had all this promise set up and, and, um, um, what was it called? I already forgot what it is. I actually like the first one. I don't, Um, I've seen, I saw the first, Two, and then I was like, eh, I'll see the other one when it comes out on DVD and I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so, um, uh, dang, I can't believe it's like uh, one of them. Force Awakens. Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. So that one was actually, I actually liked that one. And I thought JJ Abrams did a great job setting up a promise for the entire series. Right. And then the reason we hate the new trilogy is Ryan Johnson came along on the second movie and said, no. 
And then he completely made it his own, his own story, his own twists, his own turns. And, you know, which is fine as an artist, but it's not fine in the series because right. the audience, us, we were expecting progress and payoff for the promises that were made. And we didn't get any of it, which yeah. is why we hated the new series. So that's one of the things uh, um, I segued out of that. But um, that's one thing that I subconsciously did in my books is I make a promise, you know, it's, it's humorous. It's really funny. It's also gritty and gory. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not afraid to uh, um, not describe when someone's face gets torn off or yeah. something. It's, it's like Deadpool, you know, uh, rated R. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's progress as he learns. And then there's the payoff as these things that you're, that you, the audience is like, Oh, finally, or I knew it. That's my favorite. You know, there's the little twists and turns that I put in there and, you know, they scream that they knew that something was going to happen, but there's yeah. something else coming that no one knows uh -oh. and no one sees. <laughs> well, you just released book nine and you said that you're going to do 13. Mm -hmm. How did you decide on 13? Is there 13, a... 13 was John's favorite number and it okay. just seemed like a good number. And, um, you know, my publisher wants me to not stop at 13, mm -hmm. but um, I think every good story has to come to an end. And I think 13 was good because the Iron Druid Chronicles felt uh, too short to, to me. I wanted more. Um, and then, you know, Dresden Files is not too long, but if he has like 10 more books in him, I could see where it could be too long for me, for me. Right, right. right. Uh, or, or Expeditionary Force. I think there's too many, uh, but they're also like, 20 plus hours each and i really have to make myself like sit down and even though they're fantastic stories it's just like overwhelming so for me 13 is the the right number for my story and i planned for it and uh i do have plans afterwards too that no one uh, will also see coming you know you don't know who's going to make it and who's not going to make right. it but um 13 for the preternatural chronicles is the number set and that's what i planned for and it's going to be a very good ending that makes me happy. And I, a lot of people, you know, especially at the end of book 12, are going to curse and scream and burn me in effigy. But I think at the end of 13, which, so book 12 is going to be um, A Dance with the Devil. And book 13 will be uh, By the Pale Moonlight. Okay. Um, or in, in the Pale Moonlight. That's the quote from the 1989 Batman. The Batman. Which is also, I was going to say, that's a Jack Nicholson. Yeah, uh, which is also why. Uh, which is uh, why book one is uh, I'm glad you're dead. And a lot of people ask like, why'd you name the book about your dead best friend? I'm glad you're dead. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> so I actually put a whole scene in deliverance where John comes home and Dawes has two VCRs and he's recording the 1989 Batman and, and it comes to that scene. So I'm like, this is, this is what it means. <laughs> nice. So how do you, how do you know? Because there've been many, authors who have said i'm gonna write this many books and then they get to that last book and they're like i have so much to do and i have to do it all in this one book have mm. you already planned for maybe that to happen so you don't like end up on book 13 and go okay i need to write three books to get all i want done in this last book no um i've told the audience there's 13 um john let's see i don't want to give anything away it's mentioned that there's going to be 13 um I even, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't want to give too much away because it yeah. spoils book. But do you have five? a plan? Yeah, yeah. So the, um, I'm, I'm 40,000 words on book 10, which um, um, I am 
working title is Memento Mori. Okay. So that's the first anyone's ever heard of it, by the way, except for uh, like my moderators who are awesome on Facebook. But uh, for you guys, Memento Mori is the working title for book 10, which means uh, remember you will die, basically. You know, don't take things for granted and that kind of thing. So uh, it could also be like conceived uh, or considered darkly. But um, so I'm 40,000 words on book 10. I did pause um, to take a little break to focus on some other stuff. I needed a good palate cleanser. But after 10, uh, it's going to be a trilogy. And I already know the trilogy is, it's going to take me a while to get it out. Um, They're probably going to be massive. And I've already begun tapering things off. Uh, So like you were saying, you know, some authors might get there and be like, oh no, I have too much more to go. For me, I've known 13, I've held 13. So I'm I'm coming to a head because book nine, um, one of my uh, beta readers, uh, Paige, who I owe a lot to, by the way, Paige is awesome. Um, but Paige um, mentioned, like, it really does feel like the series is about to come to a head. And I'm like, that's what I'm working for. You know, book nine is ramping up to book 10, which will then set up the, tr- the final trilogy of the uh, final three books. And it's going to be massive but everything will be tied in a nice neat little bow whether the audience likes it or not but you're going to get that payoff so i made the promises we've had the progress and you're going to get that payoff and i think it's going to be a really satisfying ending for me at least and i think uh, people are going to really dig it yeah awesome well i'm excited for that and again for those of you that are listening uh book nine is out now and obviously you can get them pretty much everywhere Mm -hmm. uh and of course Luke Daniels does the audio for that. Luke for all of them. Daniels. And Luke he Daniels is, is the man. I've got to ask you. We had Luke on. Luke mentioned you. Luke actually mentioned how uh, you were kind of integral in hooking up him and Justin Leslie. Mm-hmm. Thus the reason I, I keep accidentally calling Luke Justin and Justin Luke. Uh, but that's, uh, it's really interesting. Do you ever go, I wonder if Luke's going to catch this pop culture reference I wrote in here? Um, so Luke is like 97, 98% uh, autonomous, uh, especially at this point. I mean, not only is he a, a, an amazing professional, he's an audible hall of fame narrator for right. reasons over 600 books. Um, he doesn't even read books before he, he gets in the booth anymore. Cause he doesn't have to, right. You know, he's done it. It's like Stephen King. Stephen King doesn't know what he's going to do that day, but he just does it and it comes out great. Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing with Luke. He just knocks it out of the park. So um, if there is something though, like a pronunciation, like Thick Donghua, who is um, the um, monk that burned himself alive during Vietnam to mm-hmm. protest, I put him uh, in, a, in a scene uh, for a reason. And then I had to research how to pronounce his name. And there wasn't a lot of information on it. And I even listened to like a, uh, natives, you know, say it, like pronounce it. And I'm like, what, one more time, you know, I would play it over and over and over and over. So then I had to spell it out phonetically for, um, uh, for Luke in, in a, in a comment on, on the word document. I'm like, man, I think this is how it's pronounced. There's only two things on the entire internet. So you can't really mess it up. No one's going to be like, you didn't say that right. But, uh, I'll leave him notes. Okay. Uh, on, uh, the word document, if I think it's necessary, but each, each book is maybe three or four notes, maybe five, because he uh, he gets it like a hundred percent. He gets it, and I'm very fortunate because of that. No yeah. direction for me at all. Very few, very rarely 
I'll have to be like, oh, hey, can you actually do it this way? You know, it's very rare. How did you and Luke get hooked up? No, oh, so the fun story is, um, excuse me. Um, so RC Bray was set to record mm-hmm. um, because John's voice was really deep, um, like RC Bray's. Um, and then like he could, John could do the, the movie announcer voice perfectly. Uh, it was, it was crazy. Uh, that guy could mimic like anyone's world, voice in a world, <laughs> in a world <laughs> one man. Yeah. Really good. So, um, RC Bray was set to do it. And then he signed a contract, a very lucrative contract with, I think it was podium. And then he, he sent back to, uh, an email to me saying, Hey man, his exact words were, I hate to cut your balls off. But, um, and I was like, huh, I love this guy, but, um, he was like, uh, uh, I'm booked for three years solid now and I, I can't break away to do it there. You know, he's getting taken care of, but he said, uh, I'm going to still help you. Yeah. Um, give me a list of people that you want. And I said, you know, in order, if it wasn't him, it was Luke Daniels, McLeod Andrews, um, James Marsters, um, and Ray Porter. Yeah. Uh, so like those That's an amazing list, by the way, those are my favorites. Uh, I thought McLeod Andrews would probably kill it too, but uh, where where Luke is more animated and Deadpoolish, I think McLeod would have made it a lot darker, right? Because um, he's really good at that, um, like Sandman Slim, right? Um, so anyway, he told me how to get in touch with Luke, so I did, and Luke was like, "Yeah, sure, done." And then he just like knocked out Deliverance and Book One like back to back, and that was it. Like so, RC Bray um, helped me. Uh, get started now not only did he help me like with a cover and uh to take out like a prologue i had that was uh, superfluous he said <laughs> and i couldn't agree more it was also the first thing i'd ever written so uh but i i'm really good at taking advice from people who know more than me uh that's that's like my superpower as i listen to people if you tell me that stove is hot i don't need to touch it for my brain to be like hey that stove's probably hot don't touch it you know where some people are like stove's hot oh shit <laughs> Why'd I do that? You that's know, me. I, that's me right I, there. <laughs> I, I listen. So um, yeah, that's that's how I got in touch uh, in uh, contact with Luke. And man, um, as much as I love RC Bray, and I think he would have done a great job, Luke is the voice of the Preternatural Chronicles. That dude is so funny. His comedic timing is on pace with how I write it. Right. And uh, and it, you know when. It, when John screams like a, a teapot or something, you know, cause he burns the top of his head off or whatever. Um, uh, Luke can do that. And it's so funny. Like he, he kills it, man. He, de- he deserves all the accolades. Yeah. He, I told him when he was on that this, I, I asked him, do you feel that this book is written for you? Because <laughs> really let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then for Justin, and by the way, those guys, like I'm six, two, um, I'm a big dude. Yeah. You know, I'm 270, 6'2. And I meeting Justin, it's just like, what the? And then you see a picture with him and Luke, and they're like the same yeah, height. I'm like, side by side. So uh um we're gonna do an announcement later. I know you and I talked about, it, but whenever I get to meet those guys in September, because uh, I've met Justin twice now. I have never met Luke, but I it's either gonna make me look small in pictures. And I'm like, I'm I'm not a small dude. You but... should just bring a milk crate with you and set it down next <laughs> <Yeah>. to them. <laughs> so um... and when they take the pictures, make sure the milk crate is in the picture and be like <laughs> So uh, uh Justin actually reached out to me. He had just finished the first Max Abaddon, and I got him in touch with my editor, Fabiola, because she's Fabi 
uh, Loso. Yeah. Sorry, Fabio. If I, if that didn't work, I tried. It worked for me. I was thinking it. We're white though. <laughs> um, so I hooked her uh, Justin up with uh, uh, Fabiola, and then uh, also with Luke. I was like, "Hey, Luke, um, here's Justin's email. This is his series. It's urban fantasy. He's got humor." Uh, and Luke was like, "Cool." And then that was it. They just you know kind of took off. And then Justin uh, will be the first to admit that he'll uh, look to me to. He, he's like me, right? Uh, right? I'll tell him the stove is hot. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. The stove's hot. Cool. Moving on. You know, he doesn't need to touch it. So I, I've given him all this advice over the years. And of all the writers I've I've given advice to, uh, he is the one that has followed it the most. Like he'll do pretty much anything that I say. Um, you know, this is what I did is actually, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't tell him like, you need to do this and say, well, this is what I did. These are the hiccups. This is what I would have done different. And he's like, Okay. And then, uh, then he does it and he's becoming, you know, successful because of it. So it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. You know, it I is. feel, feel, a you know, sense of pride in that, that he's doing really well. Um, but he also, did, you know, he earns it. He also has a full-time job, just, you know, killing it. Uh, so that, that dude is a busy, busy man. Yeah. I don't know how he gets time to do that stuff. You have some new stuff too coming out, right? Yes. So speaking so, of being busy, yeah, uh, I have to. <laughs> you, you did. You did announce a little bit about a superhero-ish book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that and tell us tell us what's going on with that? Because I'm really so, curious and interested. So um, I'd be my name's getting out there, which is cool. Uh, I've even had some authors, you know, reach out and say, like, uh, you know, I noticed that you're you're jumping the ladder in in popularity. And and what what's really cool about that is all authors are super friendly towards one another we root for one another we know the grind they go through um like i owe a lot to ct Phipps, for example you know charles is a really good dude just like i am to justin is what ct was you know for me he helped introduce me to people um that got the ball rolling and one of those people was podium um and then podium had already heard about me and um and i'd actually reached out to podium in the beginning and they politely turned me down but they also were the only one um, who gave me the advice, like, you need to have a website, you need to have a novella, you need to get a mailing list and you give the novella for free and like, do these things that so you need to have a private face or a Facebook group. And, you know, all these different things I was like, well, shit, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. They were the only ones I got, I don't know, 60, uh, ignores from, uh, both agents and publishing houses out there. So that's another thing for you independent people. Um, you know, Shane Silver says the thing, same thing. He got denied by basically everyone he uh, sent his stuff to, and now he's a freaking millionaire, you know, yeah. with the, with the publishing company and, you know, 40 books and like, he's killing it. Right. So don't even worry about that. Just, I would say just self-publish and, and go from there. Um, but um, yeah, so I owe a lot to CT. Where was I going? What was, oh yeah. Yeah. So Your new book. my name, my name has got out there and, I was talking to uh, USA Today bestselling author Retzi Bruno and him and I were talking and discussing different things. Um, At the same time, I was also talking to Podium. So it's crazy that, you know, when it rains, it pours kind of thing, but in a good way. Um, So then I was talking to Rhett and I was like, 
I, this is what I want. These are my ideas because I have a whole list of ideas. These are some things I want to do. I need to take a break from the pre-natural chronos just for a minute. Um, kind of let my brain relax. You know, I've written like a million words at this point and I'm ramping up to the trilogy and um, I just need a good palate cleanser kind of thing. And so him and I were talking and we came up with, uh, I told him one of my ideas was a superhero story, but not kind of like how Logan isn't a superhero story. It's more gritty and uh, it's not like, you know, Captain America or anything. I loved Logan. I also loved Invincible, Watchmen and The Boys. So I loved all of those because they didn't feel like superhero movies and right. shows. Um, Invincible was a little close, but still like the twist endings, you know, with Omni-Man and all that. So they, that, that was killer. I love that. It felt more real, right? Um, so that's why I'm hesitant to call it a superhero book. It's more urban fantasy because urban fantasy feels real. It yeah. feels like you could step into that world and everything is plausible and believable. I explain things as to why and, and there's consequences. So uh, the, the new series I've signed with Red Sea Bruno's company, Athon, is um, um, it's uh, called The Soul Saga. And I'm announcing that for the first time here. So the soul saga and tentatively the first book is going to be called a uh, uh, dawn's light. And then the second book I think will be midday sun. And then the last, uh, the third book, I don't know if it, I don't think it's the last book, but the third book is going to be um, um, dusk's light or dust uh, by night of dust, something like that. And the reason why is you have soul, which means light in Latin, you know, dawn light, that kind of thing. And then you have his uh, arch nemesis, Tenebris. Cool ass name. I love that name. But that means the complete opposite. And um, uh, Soul is here. He comes to our dimension to help humanity um, into the future. Like we're, we're reaching a point of interstellar and interdimensional travel. So he comes from a more advanced civilization to bring, uh, to help us there. And Tenebris um, wants to free us instead. He wants everyone to be free. He doesn't like the world that he came from. He doesn't like how strict it is. You know, um, um, people are bred specifically, you know, uh, psychopathy, um, narcissism, all that stuff is bred out of people. Um, but that also means that the government is controlling who can breed. Right. Right. So where soul is like, you know, he's trying to explain to people like, no, this is a good thing. There's peace. We've colonized the galaxy. There's no wars. There's one unified uh, world alliance. Um, you know, we're all together. Um, and then uh, Tenebris is like, yeah, but at what cost? So all of my bad guys, all of my villains, I want to have a really uh, sympathetic point of view from. Like uh, Thanos is the biggest example that I can think of. Like that guy, I was watching Infinity War, not Endgame. Uh, as much but infinity war i was watching that and i was in the theater and i thought jesus this is the first bad guy i think i've seen on screen that i i get it right you know i don't i don't agree there could be other pathways but i respect the grind and i get where he's coming from so you know in my series ulrich and samael um i want the audience to go okay i get it in this one i want the audience to uh, agree with you know see points of view from both and then just be curious to see how how it concludes so um there's there's a lot of stuff in it you know there's there's some gore which i'm known for you know i'm very descriptive but uh, 
soul when it comes to our dimension isn't supposed to have these powers. So I'm actually going to probably write a novella as well, where he first comes here, where he's sent here, he's tasked, uh, he's learned about our world and he starts developing these powers. But that's where my series is different, right? Um, or I guess Invincible feels like the same way, but I also want it to be more urban fantasy in that there's a lot of consequences, a lot of consequences to him having powers. Right. Like in the opening scene, um, uh, he's saving someone from a fire and you know he's like, you need to climb on my back. And they're like, I, I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm too hurt. And, and Saul goes, I'm sorry about this. And he grabs the guy's arm and just shatters the bone to dust. And like the guy screams and passes out because he can't control his strength. Right. He's there's physics, right? He's too strong. So I thought like, what would it be like if Superman couldn't touch a woman or use a normal toilet or open a door or shake a hand? Right. Yeah. So for all of his powers, there's consequences. Um, and I, I don't want to reveal, uh, you know, what his powers are too much, yeah, but yeah. for all of his powers, there are consequences and we learn about that and we follow him as he learns, you know, the promise, the progress uh, that we talked about. So I'm actually having a lot of fun with this one. It's a fun story, a lot of action. Uh, and I li- kind of like the, um, the differing aspects of, uh, of uh, soul wanting to bring peace but he doesn't realize like the cost of it, but you know, he only cares about the end game. And then Tenebris is like, he doesn't care about the end game. He only cares about people's um, freedoms to choose and, you know, things like that. And and, uh, his powers are completely different from souls and like it creates some really awesome scenes. Is there going to be a different tone to it? Is there still going to be like the same quantity of like humor involved or is it going to be a bit more serious? Um, it's a bit more serious, but there is a character, Harry, who is his CIA agent, uh, his handler, who uh, I already love Harry. Harry is, he's hilarious. Like he is definitely the comic relief. Um, <laughs> like at one point, uh, um, now, you know, I don't want to tell. Like there's, there's too many funny yeah, parts. Yeah, like yeah. No, that's good. That's fine. I'll be listening to it. As long know, as we uh, know, yes or no. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's not quite as funny. It's more, um, more serious of a, of an endeavor. Um, but it's, but there is still, of course, like I, I have my humor in there. Like there's still some really like, uh, uh, okay. At one point, Harry is, is battling a, uh, an automated sink. Cause like after a battle, he's trying to get the grime <laughs> off and he's just like, like the one time he wants cold water more than any time in his life. And the sink's just like, no. And so at one point he actually like pulls out his gun and he's just like looking at it. And he, then he pictures himself like, pointing a gun at this thing he's like ah, okay then <laughs> you know just funny stuff that we deal with as normal people right <laughs> <laughs> so what the, is your um, other yeah you mentioned to me you've got another one as well kind of a sci-fi thriller so yeah that one is is the most serious okay kind of like my book 3.5 moonlight e- equilibrium i wrote that uh it can be read alone uh, and it can be skipped in the series, but actually, you know what? I would say it can't be skipped because a, 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 ma- a very important character comes back and plays a very important part later on. So don't skip it. But Moonlight Equilibrium was um, a horror novel. Um, and why I wrote it is the Preternatural Chronicles is about vampires and werewolves, but it has the Deadpool humor, right? So right. like in Deadpool, he cuts someone in half and we're like, ha, 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 that was that was funny. You know, he's, he's Ryan Reynolds cutting someone in half. Ha, ha. Yeah. Now I thought, what if you just watched your best friend get 
you know, cut in half. It's, it's not so funny then. So I wrote Moon Eye Equilibrium from the point of view of a human who's getting stalked by a, um, one of the characters that has gone off the deep end and it's horrifying and very descriptive. I think my favorite line that I've ever written was um, um, vice-like jaws collapsed around his skull and squeezed uh, as a massive gray sludge squeezed out like a tube of Pillsbury biscuits underneath a car tire. <laughs> and I was like, just imagine like the, you know, the Pillsbury biscuits under car tires. Like, man, that is, I love that line. So descriptive. So that one's full of them. Like another one is a, a guy gets disemboweled and he's like walking out trying to hold his intestines. And the, um, I say, you know, he would have had better luck carrying fistfuls of water. And then, you know, as there's, as he's spilling out. So I don't know. I'm very descriptive for those of you who haven't read my stuff yet. <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of fun with it, a lot of fun with it, but um, yeah. Yeah. So Moonlight Equilibrium is more the, is a horror novel. So this one, the new series is um, a sci-fi thriller. It's, it starts off with a man and the first word is coffins, you know, and then he, he's having an internal monologue about like, he didn't know that there was, child-sized coffins and that you could get blue with little dinosaurs put on them and that he had never seen one before and he thought all coffins were the same size and then his father-in-law's next to him and he could smell the stale coffee on his breath and and then like he gets up at one point and screams because he's heavily medicated too as most people at funerals uh, i would imagine are um, when you're burying your family but he screams like they can't breathe and then like everyone's looking at him and like the father-in-law thinks it's his fault. And then he storms out and he gets a letter. Uh, like the receptionist is like, Oh, you got this as he's like trying to leave. Uh, and it's a, a letter in his own handwriting. And it's, then he gets home and it's uh, the, the formula for time travel. And it's set today. It's not in the future it's set today. So the whole book is him trying to go back in time and stop his family from being murdered. And then the things he learns along the way and the consequences, which anyone who reads my work knows I'm big on consequences, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing is for free. Right. So it's a, it's a psychological sci-fi whodunit. It feels like seven to me uh, mixed in with um, well, no, it just really feels like seven. That's kind of what I have in my mind as I'm writing is that dark tone. Seven is one of my favorite movies of yeah, all time, by the way. Movie. So I love that feeling of it. And then the ending, you know, all of my books, I know the ending too. And all the books are a really fun ending, in my opinion, that um, no one's going to see coming. And it's one of those things. Um, I won't give too much away, but one of my favorite endings of any movie ever was Interstellar. When he takes his token and he spins it and he's with his family and he's happy and then it starts to wobble a little bit and then it cuts to black. And I remember being in the audience uh, at the theater and they just went like, Oh, and I thought, Oh man, that felt great. I love this. Yeah. So I like to do fun stuff like that. It could be good. It could be bad. You know, you don't know, but um, just rest assured that these series are going to be fun. I've already written the first superhero book, um, soul, the soul saga. Uh, it's about three fourths of the way done on the uh, second draft. It's about 96,000 words right now. So it's almost a 10 hour audiobook, And um, I had a lot of fun with it. I think people who like my work are, are going to like it because my descriptions are in there. The, the There is some humor. Um, the storyline is action. You know, it's fast. All my stories are fast. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not bored. And a lot, one thing that a lot of readers say is um, uh, it feels like the way I write 
is uh, like they're watching a movie. They don't have to stop and think. I give them everything, all the information, all the descriptors, you know, and because that's what I like. You know, I like to relax and listen. And I try to do the same thing uh, for my readers, too. Um, so, yeah, the, it's it's going to be a fun book. And I imagine it should be out in a, in a couple months because it, it'll be audiobook, ebook, and print all at the same time. There'll be a big ordeal that uh, Brett was talking about. So, and then the second I finish that, I'm going to uh, finish the um, sci-fi thriller and then go back to the John book. And then I'm going to leapfrog until, you know, they're, they're basically all done, but I'm working really hard to get, get them out as quickly as possible. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a lot, but it's also fun. So I get to do this for a living and I'm very fortunate, very humbled that I have people who like to read my work. Yeah, definitely. Upcoming events, you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you're going to be at Ancient City Con September 16th through 18th in St. Augustine with both Luke Daniels and Justin Leslie. Yes. Uh, are you going to be doing anything else that you know of, or is it kind of a stay tuned to your Facebook to find out? Um, stay tuned to Facebook for sure, but because I like to do, um, um, for those who um, want to follow me, uh, you can Hunter Plain author on Facebook. I also have a private uh, Facebook group called Abattoir of Johnnyx. Uh, almost a thousand members at this point. I think we're like eight away from a thousand, which is pretty cool. I also have a private Discord. Same thing, Abattoir of Johnnyx. Uh, the invite is on the um, in the private Facebook, I believe, or no, it's on my author page too, Hunter Blaine author. But um, uh, I I like to hang out with my fans a lot. So every six months, we usually do like a live event, you know, where people get together. Uh, I guess the next one will be in Florida in September. Okay. Um, once I finalize the details, I'll make a big post about that. But also in Discord, I like to watch movies uh, with the fans. Like every couple months or so, I'll stream in Discord, kind of like what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I'll stream a movie. I'll be the only one with the mic on. Everyone else can type. And, uh, you know, there's like 20, 30, 40 of us just in there watching movies together. Like uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It was one of them. That's nice. one of my all-time favorites. You Somebody know, in chat did ask when when the next when the next movie night was going to be. So, um, you know what? Uh, after I finish the soul book, which I'll be done in like two days, I hope, unless there, I have to come up with a whole new scene or, or whatever. So, um, you know, maybe if not this weekend, next weekend. So. Yeah, I already have some movies in mind. Cool, cool. And as you said, backslash Hunter Blaine author on Facebook, uh, Hunter Blaine website, just hunterblaine.com. No E, guys. No E. There's no E on there. Don't yes. make the mistake that my typo made. I mean, it was it's my fault, but. B-L-A-I-N. <laughs> All right. And again, guys, latest book is available now. Fall from Grace, book nine of the Preternatural Chronicles series. June 27th, the creator of Pathfinder RPG, Jason Bullman, who's the lead designer at Paizo, he's going to be joining us to talk about Pathfinder, his vision, upcoming projects, and more. July 11th, the owner of Pinnacle Games and the creator of Deadlands and Savage Worlds RPGs, Shane Hensley and his lead creator. You're going to get a twofer. John Goff is also going to be joining us with Shane Hensley on July 11th. So make sure to follow, like, subscribe, rate, review, all of that fun stuff. It truly helps us grow and in turn helps our guests and get eyes on them. So for Hunter Blaine, I am Nick, and thank you for joining us at Epic Realms. Thanks, guys. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. <laughs>